Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. G'day everybody and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm here with Daryl Lewis, fellow Aussie, even though his accent's a little bit more Americanized than mine. He's been here longer. Yes, he has. Thank you so much for being on the show, Daryl. Glad to be here. Thank you. So the first question is the Vegemite question. Now, I'm curious because you have been in America so long. You either love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take on Vegemite? I have two jars upstairs right this second uh, that I just got specially imported from Oz. (laughs) Even though you are a Bombers Essendon supporter in AFL football, I love that you love Vegemite. So because you answered that way, the follow-up question on the coaching podcast is, can you share with us one of your best coaching moments and what were the lessons? Something that went really, really well. I think it's really a it's a generic answer, um, to be honest, because my answer to people who ask, you know, who do I like to teach is always anybody that wants to learn. Mm. And so, you know, my coaching moments probably come from every student that gets that aha moment, um, which isn't every day. It's probably not every week. It's you just... You work with somebody for a little while and then you just see the light bulb go off um, and, and they own that thing. Um, my line is always, you know, you lease a shop for three months or four months before you own it. And I like to get people to that four month where they just feel like it's theirs and you know, and they hit it. So that's kind of yeah. one generic, one specific moment. But Yeah, the aha moment. And what about on the flip side? The flip side, of course, is your worst coaching moment. Yeah, it's usually coming from, you know, somebody that's having a, a tough day and it's not usually because of us or me. It's usually something that's outside. And to me, it becomes a tough moment because I can't turn them around. And I feel like, you know, I'm relatively good at taking somebody who's a little down and making them happy because that's the way I coach. Um, and so it's disappointing to me if I can't fix whatever's going on or at least fix the way they feel about whatever's going on. So that's a bit of a challenge, you know, that and the, and the screaming kid that's dragged to the courts who has no business being there, um, you know, that's a tough one too. It is. And I think being able to recognise those cues, isn't it? It's being able to read beyond the surface structure of, you know, how are you today? Fine. Well, are you really <laughs> fine? Well, you know, and, and being a typical Aussie, I tend to be very sarcastic. And I think um, knowing when to turn that on and when to turn it off, um, I think is a skill. It is. So, you know, once or twice I've gotten it wrong, uh, and you know very quickly when you've just made a mistake, uh, but then you just have to work through it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always telling my young coaches, just own it too. When you do make yeah. a mistake, it's it's great just to, to own it the quick, as quick as yeah. you can. Uh, the next question, Daryl, is the sliding doors question. I don't know that there is... There is one, um, you know, I'm a big believer in if you plan correctly, you can wing it. And so, you know, if you just try to wing it and, you know, talking about young coaches, you know, frequently you see them try to wing it. But if you don't know the direction you're going first, when that door comes about, um, you're not ready for it and you can't, you can't change. You know, from, from my career, I wanted to be a resort pro. I thought that was where my end goal was. You know, I took a job that was a resort job, didn't work out, not a resort pro, I'm a club pro. And so, you know, that's the biggest turnaround I think I had in my career 
um, you know, that was a, almost a battleship moment. You know, it took a long time to turn around, but I think that's just being ready for anything that comes is is really the the answer to that one. Yeah. And w w what age were you when you came to the states? I was nineteen. So I came here thinking I was going to be here for 12 months, you know, play some tennis, see how good I could get. 37 years later, um, you know, two kids, three kids, um, and then three grandbabies later, here I am. So <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Well, I have to go based on my previous answer of flexibility consistency and caring flexibility consistency and caring and you demonstrate all of those i've seen you on court i love it when we demonstrate not do we practice what we preach hey absolutely and finally Daryl, our last question is where we ask you to ask us a question so what's that one question that always sparks your curiosity what do you want to know more about i want to know more about where the industry is going whether it is more in the business direction um are we are we more focused on going towards a pga tour kind of concept where all the club managers know who all the pros are and they hire certified pros or are we going more towards a I've got a basket of balls and I know how to teach and here's a court and let's go. Being involved in both organizations and the USTA, you know, I, you know, who knows where it's going to go. But that's, I think, you know, the biggest question in my mind right now, because it makes a difference to the older pros like myself and the young ones that we're all trying to get involved in, into the industry. Mm, fantastic. Well, that concludes the formal part of the coaching podcast do you mind if i ask go rogue and ask you just a couple more curious questions you never know what answer you'll get <laughs> i know that's the beauty of the podcast we never know right. back to having a vision what about you as a young coaching pro with did you you said you know that you had that vision that you wanted to be a resort pro but how how did that come about have you always been someone who plans who can who knows where they want to go, or have you had mentors along the way? Or talk me through uh, that process for you. No, it's and I guess it's I won't say embarrassing, but it's I didn't plan anything out. I never planned on being a tennis pro. Um, I fell into being a tennis pro. I fell into being a tennis director. Um, the tennis director where I worked ended up, you know, getting cancer and getting hospitalized. And so he basically, he's fine, but he said, okay, it's your show. I can't do it. Um, and I was, you know, still in college. And so that was my walk into being a tennis director. But no, I thought being a pro at the beach, um, at a resort at the beach would be a great place to be. You know, all the bad members go away. All the, you know, the lessons that you don't like, they go away once the weekend's over. Uh, the part I didn't realize was that all the good ones leave too. And so, you know, no, I, you know, and I think you know, I've been asked to write some articles on the fact that I think I've done just about everything in the industry being, I started as a park and rec pro, I worked for the USTA, you know, I've run tournaments, I've been a resort pro, I've been a corporate club pro, 
and now I'm at a member-owned club. But it's all really just, it's been, if you believe in dumb luck, um, part of me kind of says you make your own luck. But um, I think, you know, I definitely fallen into the right places probably because the, of the people I try to associate with um, makes your connections and you know opens you up to, to different things so mm -hmm. uh, yeah I'd love to say I you know as an 18 year old I I drew up you know all the steps in my career but no that didn't work that way well thank you for your honesty because I was like wow you know how do you know which door to, to to jump on through especially I'm similar to you in the fact that I I love so many areas of of the game and of coaching that sometimes it's hard to pick a lane when you do love love all the different areas as well talk to me about leadership I know you've held a number of leadership roles what do you think makes a great leader Go back to one of my three words, and that's consistency. A good leader, you know, does the same thing. They, they're the people they're trying to lead know where we're going, and you know, you build respect. You certainly, you know, nobody ever gets respect. You have to earn it, and so you have to, you know, I'm I like to be the guy that's out there sweeping the courts and emptying the trash, you know, and all that kind of thing. And then people aren't so don't feel so bad about doing it themselves. You know, I've had a couple of bosses who sit in their office and, you know, hey, go do this, go do that. Um, and that's that's not a leader, but you have to be willing to do everything and you have to be willing to do the same thing every day. So, so how do you balance the hours, the hard work? You know, it's not an easy job being a tennis pro or tennis director. And so how, you know, obviously family is important to you as well. How do you balance that? Um, you get your wife to become a certified tennis pro. That's a great thing. Um, you hire your son to work with you. That's always a good thing too, um, which is actually my current situation. But no, I mean, you're right. I Fortunately, you know, my wife is, is great about knowing that, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I need to work and then I'm going to play as hard as I need to play when the time comes. And, you know, I had a stretch where I worked 43 days in a row and I've had other stretches where I've gone in, you know, for two hours a day. Um, and you just you just have to know when it's OK. You have to be at the club when you need to be at the club and you go away when you you know don't need to be there. And obviously, you've got to have a tennis committee in my case and a GM that supports you doing that. Mm. So, you know, I own a a fairly sizable travel uh, trailer. I hook it up to our pickup truck most weekends and, you know, head on out Saturday afternoon and uh, head to the beach or head to the mountains and just try as best I can to turn the phone off. Yeah, yeah. Then there's other times where you just pack it up and go to work the next day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what advice would you have for your younger self? So for young teaching pros, what advice would you would you go back and, and tell yourself? I think do a much better job of finding mentors. I think I could have done better. Um, I've had a couple of a couple of good ones, but I think that, and maybe maybe it's because of social media and the access we all have to you know people around the world now, which when I came to the U.S. we really didn't have. Um, I think it's easier to get to know a, a high profile person and know that they will talk to you. Um, where back then it was kind of like, just 
the people in your community ended up being your mentors unless you traveled a lot. So, you know, yeah, I'd certainly go back and, and make myself work a little harder to find that, that person. Mm. Do you think it's important to have that right fit with the mentor as well? Oh, for absolute sure. Um, mm. and, and that you can't build that. I think that's just something that either happens or doesn't. It's a, it's a personality thing, no different to some students work with a certain pro and the same student might hate another pro just because the personalities don't click. And mm. that can happen with mentors and mentees as well. Mm. So, you know, but it, from the mentor standpoint, I think it comes back to management styles and what does the mentee want to learn and what do they, how do they want to learn? Mm. And so a lot of that can come from the mentor as well. Yeah, and what they what their specific goals are. That's that's right. for sure. Yeah, right. yeah. So finally, I'll finish by throwing your question back at you. Why not? If you were in charge of tennis, <laughs> you were in charge of our industry. How do you feel about? You know, we have seen a rise in in the backyard pro. Uh, certainly down at the courts near where I am, there's a basket of balls, and you know, every third person is a is a tennis pro. But are they? What are your thoughts on professional development and, uh, yeah, the future and, and whether people should get certified or just start coaching? What, what, where are you, what, what's your advice on that? Yeah, and I've, I've been a, a tester for both organizations through the years. And, you know, I was, I basically, if I go back 20 years, you know, I considered one organization tested at a higher level than the other organization but i love the testing level of the local called the lower level organization for the sake of the conversation because i could go out and i could take all those backyard tennis pros and at least give them the fundamentals to where when they left after that weekend i knew they knew what a grip was and i knew they knew kinetic chains and i knew you know all the basics that tennis pros need to know and I know they were going to teach anyway and so that gave them a really good fundamental base and then you know a lot of the other you know pros who were college players and did a lot of drills went the other organization and they were probably fine because they didn't need the fundamentals they had learned the fundamentals through playing you know now I think it's a little bit more of a competition of who can have the best continuing education program in i don't know it's it's kind of muddied the waters some um you know i'm still a fan of both organizations and i'm still i'm a huge fan of you know being certified you know i'm 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 certified in pickleball i'm going to be certified soon in platform tennis um i don't know that i have a reason to get certified in padel but i may do it just because um you know, so I'm I'm a big fan of, of what that brings and the credibility it brings. So, you know, hopefully everybody, I don't necessarily think every, anybody needs to join together, but I hope they all work together. So I, I yeah, I've probably I'm, just been kicked out of all the organizations for that answer. But. <laughs> no, I think I, I'm with you. I think collaborate and conquer. Uh, and I'm certainly one who's, you know, I got out of tennis altogether for 12 months and went in and studied. I thought I was going to get into business coaching mm -hmm. and studied everything to do with that. And it catapulted me back into tennis in a number of ways because I realized so much that I didn't know about personal development, human development, 
um, how do people learn and different behavioral styles. So I really found that, you know, even when we study things outside of our own sport, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a course junkie can I say I'm always into it as well and always have been it's it's a I think it'll be a lifelong quest of of certifications and knowledge and and keep growing and and that's why we have the coaching podcast I love that last question you know what what are you curious about or what are you thinking deeply about because you know the more we can talk about our own questions and and what where the future's heading I think is uh for the betterment of the sport and the industry yeah so thank you to you and your fabulous wife, also tennis coach. Yes. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we wish you every success in the future. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Emma. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. 